0: Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 114. Shalom, this is Avi ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 114 and part one, an analysis of Yeshua's Passover week chronology, His crucifixion to third day resurrection. Now, with this study, I hope to offer some plausible answers to a somewhat problematic timing and chronology of Yeshua's last week, or as it's called, His Passion Week. Now, typically when we are reading through the four gospel accounts on Yeshua's death and third day resurrection— It rapidly becomes evident that the timetable of the documented events does not flow as smooth as we might like it to flow. Collectively, the four gospel records and narratives appear somewhat moderately disjointed and, in some cases, just downright confusing. If you have done any previous and serious comparison readings— Of all the chronology, as many biblical scholars have done all throughout the centuries, you will know precisely what many of these issues are all about. Here, I would like to give you just a few examples of what I am driving at based on the New King James Version of the Bible. First, let's talk about the preparation towards Passover. The four gospel records are as follows from mark 14:12 it reads now on the first day of unleavened bread when they killed the passover lamb the second is from matthew 26:17 now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread the disciples came to yeshua and they asked him Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? The Gospel of Luke 22, 7 through 9. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And finally, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 and 4. Now before, meaning now approaching the feast of the Passover— When Yeshua knew that his hour had come, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. So with these narratives, I would be asking the question, why is it speaking about the first day of unleavened bread? Or in the Gospel of John, it says, before the feast of Passover, such and such event took place. Now, these gospel accounts just don't seem to make a lot of sense. They seem to contradict one another, or in some cases, they, it just sounds just confusing. But let's go on and take a look at some additional narratives. Here is the record of when Yeshua stood on trial before Pilate. In Mark 15, one through 5, we learn immediately in the morning they bound Yeshua, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. So here we have a morning narrative that Yeshua was led to Pilate. Now in Matthew 27, 2. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Again, the narrative states that this is when Yeshua was led to Pilate. Then we go to Luke, chapter 23, verse 1. The whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. So again, we learn that Yeshua was led to Pilate. Then in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 28, Yeshua was led from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. This got me thinking. This is early morning, right? Yeshua was led from Caiaphas to the praetorium. But we learn that the accusers don't enter to avoid defilement so that they can eat the Passover on that night. But if that's the case then why is it that in the preparation towards Passover, it sounds like Yeshua is, in fact, celebrating an actual Passover meal? Let's go on to the Crucifixion Day narrative. From Mark fifteen forty-two. we learn, Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, so we learn here this was preparation day. Now we go to Matthew 27:61 through 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. Then we go to Luke 23:53 through 54. Then he took the body down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation day, and the Sabbath drew near. So we learn that that day was supposedly a preparation day, and it was right before the Sabbath. Then we learn in John nineteen thirty-one. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. Then in parentheses we learn, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that his body might be taken away. And we learn from this that it was a high Sabbath Also, a preparation day. Now, if you're following me, of course, this is an overall snapshot of the recorded accounts bringing us to address several questions. One, on what day was Yeshua's crucifixion? Was it on Passover or was it on unleavened bread? There is a difference. Two, What high Sabbath is being referred to as the preparation day before the Sabbath? 3. Did Yeshua eat, or did he not eat, a ritually slaughtered Passover lamb with his disciples? And if he did eat it, at what point? 4. Did Yeshua stand for an interrogation before Governor Pontius Pilate in the morning, or at noon, because three of the gospel narratives state that he was on that execution tree from about nine o'clock in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon. And yet, in the gospel of John, it was about noon when he stood before Pontius Pilate. Five, did Yeshua stand in front of Pontius Pilate not once, but actually twice, or Did he stand in front of him on two different days? Six, at what time and on what day was Yeshua crucified? Very similar to my comments from number one and number four. Was it about 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., as the synoptic gospels say? Or was it 12 noon to 3 p.m., as the Gospel of John seemingly implies. And finally, seven. When was Yeshua's third day resurrection? Did it happen on a Sabbath or on a Sunday, the first day of the week? If His resurrection was on Sabbath, then I would ask, at what time on the Sabbath? I think it would be important to know. Was it early on the Sabbath? midway through the Sabbath, or late on the Sabbath in the evening? I consider all of these very valid questions, and I think a lot of folks would also agree with that. So these are but a mere handful of the questions and issues that have, for the past 18 centuries, regularly come up for discussion, debates, disputes among people from all walks of life. It seems that everyone has an interpretation and an opinion as how to perfectly or as near as perfect as possible reconcile the seemingly tangled chronological events of Yeshua's death and resurrection week and how it all likely played out, at least as it is written. Admittedly, over the past many decades, I, too, have advanced my own opinions, resulting in me also adding my views and thoughts into the collective mix of ancient and present-day interpretations. Academic scholars and laypeople from all walks of life have researched and offered many explanations to resolve the glaring chronological conflicts some rather good explanations, and some seriously lacking. You see, oftentimes when one question is believably solved, more often than not, another question or series of questions begins to surface, leading to more unanswered questions. Accordingly, I do consider it fair to ask, is there a more correct chronology or perhaps even a better approach, to the timeline that might help to solve most, if not all, of the concerns that 18 centuries of scholars have been grappling with. And they've been grappling with these issues with no definitive and secure answers. So I would ask, is there anyone who has come up with some good, solid answers as to the multitude of difficulties and confusions that are linked to what are supposed to be precision-timed events of Yeshua's last week, His crucifixion and third-day resurrection, narratives that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. My answer to this question is yes, yes. In recent history, beginning in France in the early 1950s, Dr. Annie Joubert, professor of Judaism and the origins of Christianity at the University of Paris, also known as the Sorbonne, came on the scene. Mademoiselle Joubert had studied at École Biblique, the world-renowned French school of biblical and archaeological research also with a study center in Jerusalem. Professor Gilbert also wrote several books and contributed to many scholarly journals of the time. That was back in the 1950s and early 60s, following the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran in November of 1947. Professor Gilbert wrote a book in the 1950s that proved itself to be of wide-reaching interest among many biblical scholars from all over the world and from all walks of life. Her published book in the 1950s was titled The Date of the Last Supper, The Biblical Calendar and Christian Liturgy. Her work brought down a number of old, outdated theories and sparked plenty of discussions and debates from a lot of biblical researchers of the time. Now, to this day, her book is still considered a scholarly source for many present-day research papers on the chronology of Yeshua's final Passover week, again, what is often referred to as Passion Week. In gleaning through some of the responses to the work of Mademoiselle Joubert, it became clear to me that she had stirred up the academic world. Her research into the date of the Last Supper and the chronology of Yeshua's final Passover week came with a whole new set of fresh approaches to solve most of the problems— which have bothered biblical exegetes for nearly 18 centuries. One response to her work indicated that if the opinions presented should ever become generally accepted, then, quote, what Catholics and Protestants know as the traditional chronology of Yeshua's last Passover week would have to be radically transformed. You see, largely, Professor Annie Jobert brought solid solutions to the apparent contradictions and the rather inexplicable discrepancies of Yeshua's last Passover week, things that we often read about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, also called the synoptics, and also that of what was accounted for in the Gospel of John. Today, the book is difficult to obtain. However, there are a handful of them still available for borrowing from a few of the world's Catholic universities and study centers. Now to the truth of the matter. In the New Covenant, it is Yeshua who was recorded as saying in John 16, 13-15, When she, the Spirit of truth, has come, she will guide you into all the truth, for she will not speak on her own, but whatever she hears, she will speak, and she will tell you things to come. She will glorify me, for she will take of what is mine and declare to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that she will take of mine and declare to you. Now, this is just one issue that oftentimes comes up because the way most translation teams read John 16, 13 through 15, they simply say, When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare to you, all things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare to you. So which is it? Is it she, the Spirit of truth? Or he, the spirit of truth? Well, it's a good question. The Greek pronoun is neuter. That means not he or she, but neutral. But in Hebrew, there is only a he or a she. There is no neutral pronoun. So it is understandings like this that seem to bring up a lot of issues when it comes to all of the various narratives that we read about in the gospel records concerning the life, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Yeshua. But that's just part of the story. With this said, I want to now focus our attention on Yeshua's Passover week or Passion week, along with His crucifixion and His third-day resurrection timetable, according to the many and varied traditions but in all honesty, I want to state for the record that attempts to reconstruct a precise accounting of events for each day always fall short of absolute certainty. It's hard to know. It's really hard to know. Nonetheless, based on passed-down Catholic and Protestant religious traditions, I am going to give you a general reconstruction of of how most of the religious philosophies out there itemized the events as they played out in that week. So coming up, I'm going to give you the itemized list of events as they played out in that last week, according to Catholic doctrine in the sense of a general reconstruction. I will follow that up with Protestant doctrine and its general reconstruction of the events as they played out in that last week, and they will be nearly identical to Catholic teaching, but not exact. I will then follow up with a general reconstruction of all the events as they played out in that last week, according to Messianic Christian thought, which in some cases represents a Wednesday crucifixion, and a Shabbat or Saturday resurrection. But then there are going to be many, according to Messianic or Torah Christian thought, who hold to a Thursday crucifixion and a Sunday resurrection. After I've done all this, I'm going to give you the viewpoints that Professor Dr. Annie Jobert came up with in her 1950s work, The Date of the Last Supper. And finally, I'll give you my viewpoints as to how I think the itemized list of daily events played out in that last week of Yeshua, also called the Passion Week, which involves the events leading up to His crucifixion and His third day resurrection. First, here is a general reconstruction of Catholic doctrine of the Passion Week events as they played out. On Friday or Saturday, which was six days before the Passover, Yeshua was in Bethany, which is over the Mount of Olives or Olivet, east of Jerusalem. On Sunday, there was the triumphal entry. As it states in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 12, the next day, A great multitude had come to the feast, and they stirred up quite a celebration as Yeshua was entering the gate riding on a colt. On Monday, Yeshua clears out the temple and overturns the tables of the money changers. On Tuesday, Yeshua gives his famous Olivet Discourse. Also, Judas meets with the Sanhedrin. To plot a convenient time when he can betray Yeshua, and then they say that Yeshua was again in Bethany that night. On Tuesday evening, this is connected to the statement in Mark 14 1 and Matthew 26 2. After two days, it was the Passover. And so in this event, they say that Yeshua was anointed. On Wednesday, apparently there's no information, just a lot of speculation as to His activities. On Thursday, it is understood to be Preparation Day. Then, on Thursday evening, Yeshua and His disciples celebrate what is called a Last Supper, not necessarily referred to as Passover in the Catholic Tradition. And it's done in an upper room. Then Thursday overnight, it is said that Yeshua is interrogated by Anas or Hanania. then Caiaphas, also the elders. Then there's Peter's denials. Then on Friday morning, apparently there were six trials, including the interrogation by Pilate. Then on Friday morning, Yeshua is apparently whipped, he's mocked, and this is where we learn Pilate's declaration, Behold your King. Then on Friday, from about 9 a.m. until 3 p.m., we learn from Catholic tradition that this is called Good Friday, and now begins the counting of three days and three nights. Then on Saturday, there is a Shabbat rest. We're told that the Judean authorities asked for a seal for the tomb. Then on Saturday night after the Sabbath, we are told that the spices are prepared by the women. Then the women come to anoint the body again late at night after the Sabbath. Then early Sunday morning... They get to the tomb, and they find that the stone is already rolled away and that there had already been a third-day resurrection. And then Sunday after sunrise, there are many appearances of Yeshua. So again, this is a general reconstruction of Catholic doctrine of the Passover week events. And we'll come back after the break and continue. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. Welcome back to the second half of Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 114. Here is your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Bobby ben Mordechai, and let's continue where we left off before the break. In this second half hour of the show, I want to now focus my attention on Yeshua's Passover week crucifixion and third day resurrection timetable according to the various traditions that are out there. And again, as I said before the break, attempting to reconstruct a precise accounting of events for each day always falls short of absolute certainty. Nonetheless, I'm going to give it my best shot through a general reconstruction of how I understand the thinking of many of the religious philosophies out there and how they itemize all the events of Yeshua's Passion Week as they played out in that last week. Let's now go on to a general reconstruction of the Passion Week events according to Protestant Evangelical Doctrine, which is nearly identical to Catholic teaching, except in a few minor areas here and there. First, it is a Friday or a Saturday, where John 12:1 through 2 states that it's six days before the Passover. So apparently Yeshua is overnight in Bethany. And there in Bethany on that Friday or Saturday night, Yeshua was anointed. Then on Sunday, there was a triumphal entry where Yeshua rides into the Eastern Gate on a colt. And this is being referred to in John 12, 12 as the next day. Then on Monday, we learn from Protestant evangelical doctrine that this is the day when Yeshua cursed the fig tree and he was found weeping over Jerusalem. Also, he went into the temple to cleanse it, according to Mark eleven twelve through 19. Then on the next day, Tuesday, Yeshua apparently gives his Olivet Discourse it is on this same day, Tuesday, that apparently Judas meets with the Sanhedrin, with the scribes, the elders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, and the important religious authorities of that time, and he begins to plot with them a convenient time where he can betray Yeshua. Yeshua. Then we find that Yeshua is in Bethany on that Tuesday night, according to mark fourteen three Then there is also a reference in mark fourteen one and matthew twenty six two that the reference to Tuesday evening is the reference that states after two days it was the Passover. Then in Protestant evangelical doctrine. Again, a general reconstruction. Wednesday apparently has no recorded information, just a lot of speculation as to the activities that people are assuming might have happened. Then on Thursday, this would be called the Passover Preparation Day, according to Luke 22, eight and Luke 22.13. Then going into Thursday evening, The General Reconstruction of Protestant and Evangelical Christianity shows us that Yeshua and the disciples ate what was called a Last Supper. Again, not necessarily referred to as a Passover meal, but there are some who do believe that. But nonetheless, it is done in an upper room, according to John chapter 13. Then on Thursday night, very late, that is the betrayal of Judas when he leaves that room of the Last Supper. Then Thursday overnight, we learn from this general reconstruction that Yeshua appears before Anas or Hanania, as well as Caiaphas and the elders and the Sanhedrin, and it's at that same time overnight... Thursday, when Peter has his three denials of Yeshua. Then on Friday morning, there are apparently six trials to be worked into the timeline, and that includes an interrogation by Pilate. This is apparently when Yeshua was whipped, he was mocked, and Pilate then declares, "'Behold your king.'" Then, according to Protestant Christian doctrine, it was Friday morning about 9 o'clock until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon where Yeshua hung on the cross, and they often refer to that as Good Friday. And that is the beginning of the count of three days and three nights, according to Matthew 12, verse 40. Then on Shabbat or Saturday we learn that there is a Sabbath rest, but we also learn that apparently the Judean authorities asked for a seal to be put on the tomb because the authorities were a little bit nervous that maybe he would in fact resurrect, and they did not want that kind of rumor to be spreading through all of Jerusalem. Then apparently after the Sabbath on Saturday, which would be Late Saturday night, the women prepared all the spices with which they were going to anoint Yeshua's body, according to John 19, verses 39 through 40. So the women then come to the tomb late after the Sabbath on Saturday night and anoint the body, according to Mark 16, 1. Then early Sunday morning, the women get to the tomb and find that the stone is already rolled away. And the gospel narratives indicate that this was Yeshua's third day resurrection. And then finally, after sunrise on Sunday, we learn of Yeshua's appearances to Mary, the women, the disciples in the upper room, and his appearance to the two men walking along on the road to Emmaus. Now, assuming that all of this chronology is correct from Catholic doctrine and Protestant evangelical Christian doctrine, it realistically remains a practical problem to crowd in so much activity into the hours preceding Yeshua's crucifixion, especially at nine o'clock in the morning on a Friday, at the most. Perhaps nine or ten hours must be involved, but certainly less time would have been for daylight hours only. And since there have been no serious alternative narratives readily available, it is common to gloss over all of the difficulties or even to invent man-made methods to force all of the events into one day. Now let's go on and discuss a general reconstruction of the Passover week according to Messianic Christian doctrine, or sometimes what is called Ephraimite Torah Christian doctrine, representing a Wednesday midweek crucifixion and a Shabbat, or Saturday resurrection. Again, this is just a general reconstruction. Not everyone in the Messianic movement agrees with this. It's just a general itemization of the events. First, Tuesday is called Preparation Day in the Passion Week, according to Luke 22.8 and Luke 22.13. Then Tuesday evening, Some will say that was a Last Supper, but not a legal Passover in an upper room. But then again, there are going to be some who say, no, this was a legal Passover. Tuesday late night, it is generally understood that Yehuda or Judas left the room of the Last Supper or the Passover to betray Yeshua. Then late overnight Tuesday, we learn from the general reconstruction that Yeshua was brought before the high priest Annas and before the high priest Caiaphas, as well as the scribes and the elders and the Sanhedrin, which is interesting in and of itself, because here we're seeing that there are two high priests, which is not possible in Judaism, but it was here. Then on that Tuesday overnight, We learn about Peter's denials. Then when it comes to be Wednesday morning, the Sanhedrin trials begin. And this starts off with an interrogation by Pilate. And Yeshua is whipped. He's mocked. And Pilate declares to the Jews, Behold your king. And then we learn that on Wednesday morning, about 9 a.m. to about 3 p.m., Yeshua is strung up on that execution cross, and he is crucified. Then after 3 p.m., he's buried, and that begins the counting of three days and three nights, according to Matthew 12.40. And then we learn in this general reconstruction that Shabbat, or Saturday, is the Sabbath, and when the women arrive at the tomb— they find that the stone is already rolled away in John 20, verse 1. So they discover an empty tomb. So Mary, the women, the disciples in the upper room, they all run to the tomb to discover that it is, in fact, empty. And then apparently on that Shabbat, Yeshua appears to Mary, the women, the disciples in the upper room, and to the two men walking on the road to Emmaus. Now, with all that said, let me once again give you a general reconstruction of the Passover week or Passion Week, according to Messianic Christian thought, which in this case happens to represent a Thursday crucifixion and a Sunday resurrection. The general reconstruction is as follows. Wednesday midweek is called... Preparation Day, according to Luke 22, eight and 22.13. Going into Wednesday evening and Wednesday night, there are some in the Messianic Christian viewpoint that Wednesday evening is the Last Supper, but again, not necessarily a legal Passover in the upper room. But there are some who do say, no, it was a legal Passover, and so there's argument on both sides of the camp in that manner. Then, Wednesday night, it is understood that Yeshua was betrayed by Yehuda or Judas, and that's when he goes out to the garden with all of his cronies from the temple, and Yeshua is arrested. Then we learn from this general reconstruction that Wednesday overnight, Yeshua is arrested and brought before Annas or Hanania, then Caiaphas, also the elders— the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin members, all of those religious authorities, and he is questioned and interrogated all night long. Then we learn about Peter's denials all night Wednesday. Finally, by the time the sun comes up on Thursday morning, we are told about the trials of the Sanhedrin— Then the narratives bring us into the interrogation by Pilate, where Yeshua is then whipped and mocked, and Pilate then again declares, Behold your king. Then we learn from this Reconstruction that Thursday morning, about nine in the morning to about three in the afternoon, Yeshua is hanging on that crucifixion tree. He is crucified. After about three o'clock, Joseph of Arimathea and a few others take his body down, and they bury him, and that begins the count of three days and three nights. So then we go forward to Saturday, Shabbat. There's nothing recorded about that, except that the women rested according to the commandment. And then on Sunday morning, the women go to the tomb on early Sunday morning, and they find that the stone is already rolled away. I couldn't find any information about when the women actually prepared all of the burial spices for his body, but then on Sunday morning early around sunrise, the women come to the tomb and find that the stone has already been rolled away, and there is an empty tomb discovered. And Mary, the women, Peter, the disciples, they're all there looking at this empty tomb. And then we learn from the narratives that Yeshua makes a number of appearances in front of Mary, the women, the disciples in the upper room, and also on those two men walking along on the road to Emmaus. So there you have it. That's pretty much a general reconstruction of the general viewpoints in Catholicism, Protestant and Evangelical Christianity, Messianic Christian thought, including Ephraimite, Messianic, Torah Christian thought, and there's probably a whole lot more differing viewpoints all filling in the gaps, in between the lines, with all of this. So really... It's a huge, big mess, because no one really knows exactly how all of these events played out. Some of it is actually written into the gospel narratives. Some of it is speculation, and some of it is just pure human imagination. And we don't really know. And that is pretty much what we are left with today. But friends, that's not the end of the story. I'm going to come back next week on Part 2 of this series of the Passion Week Chronology Crucifixion to Third Day Resurrection of Yeshua, and we'll take a look at a general reconstruction of the Passion Week events according to Professor Dr. Annie Jobert's viewpoints when she wrote her monumental work in the 1950s on the date of the Last Supper. So we'll look at her material next week, And then I'll go into a general reconstruction of the Passion Week events as I would understand it from my viewpoints when I can share my thoughts with you. With the coming episodes in this series, I'll also be addressing in detail features of the Judean official Pharisaic calendar and the concept called Rosh Chodesh, which is often translated as. New Moon. I'll also be defining Judean periods of day and night, as well as looking at definitions for the Judean mixtures of light and dark, morning and evening, and how they play out in the chronology of Yeshua's last week crucifixion and resurrection story. Also coming up in future episodes— I'll be defining for us what was understood to be a Roman day, a Roman night, and a Roman watch. Then we'll compare all of that to day hours and night watches according to the gospel narratives. I'll also be talking in great detail about the rooster crow or the cock crow and what that is really all about because it plays an important role into understanding all of the timing of Peter's denials of Yeshua. In future episodes, I'm going to be addressing what I am calling the official and unofficial calendars of the Second Temple Period of Judaism. I'll be defining the concepts of sunset to sunset reckoning of time, I'll also be looking at sunrise to sunrise reckoning and the definition of the term hour in the time and ministry of Yeshua. Furthermore, I'll take us into defining and understanding the Tzadok 7's solar calendar, which is now much better understood because of what was found in the 1947 discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Caves of Qumran. And as the episodes continue through the coming weeks, I'll be taking you into my selection of year 27 of the Common Era as the year for Yeshua's Passover and His last week events leading to His crucifixion and His third day resurrection. Yes, I think the year 27 was the correct year. Now, I want to stress that if I am correct that Yeshua's crucifixion and third-day resurrection was in what we would call year 27, it could very well explain why we are now witnessing an intensity of global disorder based on the prophetic words of Psalm 90 verse 4 and Second Peter 3.8, stating metaphorically that one of Yah's prophetic days is like 1,000 years, therefore adding two prophetic days or 2,000 years to Yeshua's year 27, places us ominously close to Hosea 6, 1 through 2, and what Scripture refers to as the birth pangs of the Messiah, or as Yeshua called it in Matthew 24, the beginnings of sorrows. I say, let us look up for our redemption according to Romans eight twenty-three draws near. We'll also be taking a look at the 52-week or one-year ministry of Yeshua, not a 70-week ministry, just 52 weeks. I have my reasons why, and I'll explain that to you in coming episodes. We'll look at the Tzadok 7's calendar versus the official Judean sighted moon calendar. Plus, there'll be a whole lot more in dealing with naming conventions and why I use the terms Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Shabbat. I have reasons for why I'm doing all of this. And then finally, I will take you through a detailed breakdown and itemization of 27 events that play into that entire last week chronology of Yeshua leading up to His crucifixion and His third day resurrection. And of the 27 itemized events in the Passion Week chronology that I'll be speaking about in upcoming episodes, here are just a few points that I will be dealing with. Was the night of Yeshua's Last Supper a true legal Passover, according to biblical law in the book of Exodus? Well, I think yes. And I'll give you plenty of good, solid reasons why I think so. Why do the synoptic gospel records of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about a preparation day that appears different from the preparation day that is written about in the texts of the Gospel of John? The answer is There is no difference. Both preparation days between the synoptics and the Gospel of John are one and the same day, but they're written from a different perspective using two different calendars. Specifically, what was the high Sabbath day that's mentioned in the text of the Gospel of John? And how about Pontius Pilate and his interrogation of Yeshua? Was there just one interrogation, or were there two? I'll show you that he interviewed Yeshua twice, and over the course of two mornings. And finally, when was Yeshua's third day resurrection? Was it on Sabbath, or was it on the first day of the week in what we call Sunday? Well, I'll show you that it was on Sabbath, and it is important to know why. These topics and many, many others will be dealt with in great detail later in my upcoming episodes in this series on Yeshua's Passover week chronology from his anointing in Bethany to his crucifixion and finally to his third day resurrection. I really appreciate you joining me today on this part one overview of this rather interesting and perhaps I might say confusing series of events in dealing with the last week chronology of Yeshua, his crucifixion and his third day resurrection. If you have any questions or comments and you wish to take a look at all of what I'm doing here with these podcasts, go over to my website at www.cominghome.co.il Again, cominghome.co.il So I have a lot more material to cover over the coming many weeks and episodes of this podcast series. Thanks again for being with me. I'm Avi ben Mordechai. And this is Real Israel Talk Radio.